Sarah Jack. A Jack. A Jack. A Jack. You could be, uh, that was like the beginning of, oh, like a 90s white boy rap. Like, you're, a Jack. A Jack. Unless it's an actual white boy rap that I just don't know. <laughs> um, th- don't forget the, uh, a hip hop, a hip to the hip. Is that a hip, hip hop? <laughs> Um, there, there's like one other like real cliche with someone who's supposed to be freestyling that they always say. It was like, oh yeah, it's, um, <laughs> oh yeah. My name is Ted, and I'm here to say I rap <laughs> verses in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who the first one to do that was. I mean, it must have blown everybody. Oh mind, my god, for sure know? though. Like, like, whoa, this guy's so good. Like, Holy shit! They rhymes with way. Whoa. Oh my gosh! And now it's just yeah. And now it just makes you like just cringe anytime you hear somebody just like yeah. try, trying to like st- like stutter for time <laughs> in a freestyle like uh, either that or like they they get into like one rhythm and it's just like okay I guess I'll repeat just mumbling you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh I could do without the mumble rap craze <laughs> I'll be glad when we move on to the next because I feel it's still hanging around I feel like most rap is still just mumbly yes you know even when i hear yes like, roddy but, rich and stuff like that but now now the trend in music is uh less to copy future and it's more to copy 100 gex oh yeah 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 see i'm not familiar with i remember you <laughs> mentioning them like a long ass time ago oh I yeah i really got into them uh did you ever listen to them at all I don't. Th- I might have heard like <laughs> one little. Uh, not not intently. No. You you should look up. What's the name of the one song that really blew up? I uh, I don't know. Uh, just look them up on Spotify or something. L- look up yeah, like their most see what their most popular. Yeah. Stream is. It's it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Be- because all of check it out. all of like TikTok music now is kind of following their trend of like really overly edited overly saturated like screaming like into the mud but also like Uh. sad like emo boy lyrics (laughs) this does not sound up my alley but i'm willing to give him a shot i will tell you right now you're gonna hate it (laughs) (laughs) we get going yeah let's get going all right welcome to no hugging no learning it's a show about one thing watching seinfeld for the first time i'm tim murphy i'm ted hollowell and today we will be talking about Season 7, Episode 9, The Sponge. But before we get to that, we did have some stuff from the previous episode, trivia and tidbits, etc. to get to from The Pool Guy. Uh, first, we wanted to know a little bit more about Movie Phone, because I've, I never called Movie Phone. I always looked in the paper, or, I mean, the internet eventually became a thing. Uh, I'm sure movie times were on there at some point. Uh, it was just a newspaper with me, like, up until college. Probably. Oh, yeah? But so... in. In 1989, Russ Leatherman and four other people launched the interactive telephone service with initial service in L.A. and New York City. 777-FILM was the real number, so not 555, 777-FILM. And Russ Leatherman provided the voice of Mr. Movie Phone for the automated service. After gaining popularity, the service later expanded across the U.S. and eventually adopted an online presence at moviephone.com. And, of course, phone is spelled with an F, in case you didn't know. Uh, in 99, listen to how, how on top of the world AOL was in 1999 <laughs> when I graduated high school. AOL purchased Movie Phone for $388 million. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the beginning of the end for America Online. <laughs> God damn. Was it really valued at almost half a billion dollars? That's not far. I mean, I know like we're talking about $100 million here, but $388 million for and a telephone service and a website that gave you movie times like that that was worth 388 million dollars when, when when did you say this sale wow. took place 
99. Imagine if the people who sold movie phone to AOL were like, you know what? I'm never working another day in my life, but I'm going to take 10% of this. I'm going to take, uh, I don't know, $30 million. Uh, this Steve Jobs guy sounds sounds like he has a promising idea. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Holy oh my gosh, that shit! It'd be like more money than Jeff Bezos. Like it, it would, you'd make Jeff Bezos look like I, I, I don't know, look like he's a, a working class fellow. You'd make Jeff Bezos look like the CEO of AOL today. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm right. sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Golden parachutes and all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, 99. I mean, that's I, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. So I'm sure we were still using dial up in 99. I don't think I mean, for sure, you know, like colleges and stuff like that had dedicated service lines. But I think at home I was still dialing in in 99. I remember getting on the Internet in like 96 just to give a little reference. Like that's when AOL and Prodigy and CompuServe and all of those, you know, startups and, and, you know, computers started coming with modems you could actually use and things like that. But by 99, I mean, AOL was still, you know, when I got to college, the the way everyone communicated was still instant messenger. Yeah. You know, I mean, that only got bigger over those over from 99 to 03. Spe- so. Specifically AIM, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, no one actually had the AOL like full service. But yeah, you could download the standalone AIM service. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the way everybody was, was, you know, it only got bigger. Uh, and so AOL was just like, yeah, 388 million, I'm sure it was a drop in the bucket for them in 99. Uh, it's just a, it's just a crazy number to hear. It's just too, a crazy number for two companies to be throwing around in 2020. You know, like <laughs> AOL purchased movie phone for 388. It's a punchline for crying out loud. Yeah. God damn. Uh, on February, in February of 2014, it, it was reported the movie phone would be shutting down its call in service. So you can, can you believe how long it lasted? 2014 people were looking up crap on their phones in 2014 but i'm sure i'm sure you still had i'm sure you still had what what we now call boomers like i'm gonna call movie phone and see (laughs) what's playing today yeah so you know sometimes you just do the old way so long it's faster than doing the new way and you know it better yeah and you know you don't want to learn the refusal i guess you know the refusal to change on the elderly (laughs) is what keeps companies like that in business yeah and they show so they shut down everything the phone number they, but they maintained the online services and in May of that same year 2014 movie phone was relaunched with a new look and expansion into TV content and a comprehensive search tool that allowed you to find theaters and channels and streaming services offering movies and television shows which is really helpful but also there's like a billion other websites that do it mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm always looking for like all right where i want to see this movie where is it streaming and then you just search the movie title and streaming and six websites come up that'll give you that same information that movie phone was offering <laughs> four years later in 2018 the majority owner of get this ted here's another great uh, oh boy here's another great techno reference the majority owner of the movie ticketing service movie past announced the acquisition of movie phone all right <laughs> oh, another brilliant financial move by movie Pass. wow Oh my god! You know, I remember this. I remember getting the CEO email newsletter when when this happened. Oh my god! Like, hey guys, good news, we bought Movie Phone. I'm like, fucking why? why? Is this what you're doing with our money? Yeah, it was one million, one million in cash and eight million in stock. I wonder how much that eight oh, million in stock is worth. God, now. Eight million in Movie Pass stock? Yeah. Oh no, they should have cashed that out immediately. That's- 
Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it, that only would have led, I think, to the ruination of MoviePass immediately. Like, wait, who cashed in $8 million in stock? <laughs> if they would have cashed in, in one day. <laughs> if they would have cashed in $8 million of MoviePass stock immediately, they would have maybe gotten $6 million worth back. Because that's how quickly that shit fell. So, MoviePass stock today per share is. Point zero 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 four zero. Are you? Did you look that up? Is that real? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, Holy I don't know. This fuck. says. Let me see. I, I guess this is who owns it. Helios and Mathis and That's Analytics. It. That's it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we plug that into if they still have because that's not bad. You multiply that by eight million. Let's see. Jesus. Times eight. I, one two three. I'll tell one, you. Two three. I'll tell you what though. If you put. If you put like a hundred bucks into Helios and Matheson stocks and it kicks up like, I don't know, 10%. If you just have the money to play around with like the pennies of the penny stocks, you're going to make some money kind of quick. <laughs> well, they're $8 million <laughs> worth of, wait, oh, we don't know what, how much stock that is. I just did 8 million <laughs> shares. Okay. Well, I, I have no idea how much it is, but 8 million shares of that is only $3,200. <laughs> well, here, let's see. And by the way, you said, you said if it ticks up 20% or 10%, um, oh, I can find it. Um, it dropped 20% yesterday. So it mm-hmm. dropped point zero 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 one zero, and that was a twenty percent drop. <laughs> well, let, let me let me let me show let me tell you about the graph here on on Google Stock. Um, it, around like mid to late twenty seventeen, one share of Helios and Helios and Matheson was anywhere from like six fifty to eight hundred dollars, and then it definitely wow. peaked in uh, October of twenty seventeen. Tim, are you ready for this figure? It peaked at $5,100 per Holy share crap. on October oh 13, 2017. And it was all wow. downhill so no, from no there. Wonder, like, yeah, no wonder less than a year later they were cutting a deal like this for, again, that, that's probably overvaluing moves once again. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll if tell anything, you that's the lesson here in overvaluing. That was October 13, 2017. Less than one year later on, let me find it. Let me find the exact date. Less than one year later, on August 10th, 2018, it is under $1 and has not risen back since. Wow. Wow. And MoviePhone didn't save them, just like they couldn't save AOL. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier this year, MoviePhone's parent company went bankrupt <laughs> once again. And it was reported that it was being run by just a single employee. One person was running <laughs> MoviePhone's empire. Uh, the company was still worth, though, $4.3 million, but that's about 1% of the $388 million it was valued at when AOL purchased it. Um, Cleveland O'Neill III, producer of the syndicated daytime entertainment show made in hollywood have you ever seen this nope made it me neither uh he bought movie phone out of bankruptcy in march of 2020 i'm i bet he wished he has that money back in the middle of a pandemic uh. I mean, it was like march 13th he was like i'm buying movie phone for millions <laughs> oh no nothing bad will happen to me now <laughs> the movie industry is going to be so strong in the oh summer God. of 2020 oh oh it's on the God. uptick baby we, we, we got tenet on the way we, we got a bond movie we, oh movie we, phone we come got, here Soul is coming out. Trolls World Tour. That's oh, going to be huge. We, we've got we've got Black Widow. Black Widow is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mulan. Oh I'm gonna make my a bank God. on Mulan. Oh my gosh! When that comes out, 
<laughs> oh, and uh, what was the first? Uh, Onward. Forgot about Onward. Onward, yeah. I, f- I feel like that came out like earlier in March, and then they pushed it immediately to Disney+. Plus. I feel like... Do you, th- do you think... It, it was, I think it was in theaters for like a week or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Like, I feel like it got a little tiny N- Not to mention... Well, maybe not. Maybe not not to mention like all the movies right at the beginning of a pandemic where they're like, how is theater at home going to work? Like Invisible Man <laughs> and The Hunt yes. and yeah, uh, and, and I think there was like a few more. Uh, but they're like, well, do, how much do we charge for a rental at home? Twenty dollars? Yeah, that seemed to be the going rate for the most part. God, crazy. So, Mister Movie Phone, uh, as I mentioned, was voiced by Russell Leatherman uh, on the when you called, and voiced by Russell Leatherman in the episode. So that's the real Mister Movie Phone. Yes, that you hear threatening to kick Kramer's butt. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Leatherman, however, was unable to be present for the filming. So the brief shot of his body outside Kramer's door is another actor. Damn, I, I I love that they got the real guy's voice though. That that makes it. Yeah, yeah. You almost have to. I I'm willing to bet that he has like a Michael Buffer deal where he's like, you can't even say movie phone without giving me a hundred thousand dollars. You know, like <laughs> how you can't get ready to rumble. And like if anybody, like the fact that I just said it right now. Damn we're it, probably Tim. gonna get sued by Michael Buffer. We're already I not know. making any money on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because like. Radio st- like this was big news back in like the w- when Michael Buffer was first around because radio stations would like intro their show with let's get ready to you know just don't want to say the full thing and and he would like he paid people to listen to radio stations like twenty four seven hear these instances of th- them <laughs> using his catchphrase and then he would sue them and that's how he made like a bulk of, like oh, a ton of money my god I wasn't aware yeah. of this holy shit oh really yeah yeah it was such a proprietary thing that like he won all these lawsuits every time anyone used you know a, a recording of him or said his catchphrase without him getting money he uh he made sure he got paid i think i want to say that like he, he would post ads in like magazine like <laughs> just like niche magazines and stuff like hey all, you want to get paid to listen to the radio uh you know and then people would write to him and ah uh, yes and the, they'd get these instances yeah the 90s dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly uh, so I, wa- I wanted to know more about the actor who played Ramon in the episode, the actual pool guy. His name is Carlos Jackot, J-A-C-O-T-T. Uh, he's been in, uh, he's just another one of these guys, been in a ton of stuff, over 40 television shows, including Firefly, CSI. He played a demon on Buffy and Angel. Uh, he was in films like Kicking and Screaming, not the Will Ferrell soccer movie, but the Noah Baumbach uh, movie. <laughs> Mr. Jealousy, then being John Malkovich, he's in The Last Days of Disco, Gross Point Blank, Fun with Dick and Jane. Uh, guess what? He was on Scrubs, just like uh, all the character actors from Seinfeld. <laughs> and oh, so he was not, I was hoping he was in a Disney movie. And this is not technically a Disney original motion picture made for TV, but it is. Principal Takes a Holiday. Have you ever heard of this, Ted? I have not. It sounds great, okay. though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So it's not technically a Disney original, but it was made by Disney for ABC's Wonderful World of Disney show that they would have. And it aired January of 1998, and it stars Kevin Nealon, Zachary Ty Bryan, and Jessica Steen. So Zachary Ty Bryan actually in the news this week. Yeah, he Girlfriend or something. Yeah, the (laughs) oldest kid from Home Improvement. Principal Takes a Holiday. Maybe it'll ring a bell if you have seen it. Kevin Nealon is in it. I think so. Zachary Ty Bryan like can't get in trouble at school anymore. Um, so he hires a homeless guy, and I think that's Kevin Nealon to pretend to be the principal and tell his parents that he's he's being good or something like that. Does this ring a bell? <laughs> I have no idea. This you doesn't were- sound familiar at all. <laughs> oh well, uh, yeah. So that's the only Disney credit he really has. Uh, Carlos Jake 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 it Jacket. I don't know. I wanted. I did look up the movies that were playing on the 
our marquees in the B-roll just to see if they were uh, around the same time. And really the only ones that were some of the B-rolls from 92, some of the B-rolls from like the fall of 92, like November. And some of it is from the, well, the at the Paragon, it's all over the place, but it's all from 95. The American president came out November 17th, 1995. Beyond Rangoon is from August of 95. And Forget Paris is from May of 95. So they were kind of just throwing whatever up on the wall but that wasn't b-roll that was just that was them in line on set um all the other ones came out in 92 interesting left so yeah uh like passenger 57 was november of 92 distinguished gentleman was december of 92 early december so hmm. uh, i was just curious about all that uh speaking of movies the footage i should have seen this i should have well i don't know you only see like one sixteenth of the bottom of the screen but <laughs> the footage of the fictional movie channel that george is standing in front of was taken from the american president whoa okay <laughs> talked about how much i love that movie and then i didn't even recognize the bottom 16th of it <laughs> how dare you <laughs> fake fan i know <laughs> george's line while the movie plays behind him i know you're in there laughing at me laughing and lying uh, that was taken from real life the girlfriend of one of david mandel's friends she shouted that line outside a building during a drunken rant <laughs> oh my god yeah, that's hilarious. Like it's just one of those things you remember, and then you know because it was an inside joke with your friends, and then you're like, let's get George to say that. <laughs> it just seems like such a throwaway line, but I can't believe there's a little backstory to it. The scene at Reggie's later, when George is forced to eat by himself at Reggie's instead of with uh, the four people at the booth, including Susan, who is basically taking his spot, is actually stock footage from the episode "The Soup." You remember George becomes so uncomfortable going to Monks Whoa. after he has that awkward first date with a waitress. Uh, that it's, you know, so if it looked familiar, because I looked very, very similar, and I was like, oh, that's probably just a joke. Like, every time George has to eat by himself at Reggie's, it looks like this. But, no, that literally is just the same footage, basically. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, the episode, the episode's Jerry plot was considerably altered from writer David Mandel's original concept, in which Jerry and Ramon were shown innocently and mutually developing a friendly acquaintanceship at the health club prior to the downhill slope their relationship takes. And Dell wanted Ramon to be a small Hispanic man for some reason, uh, finding humor in the obvious social mismatch between Jerry and Ramon. Watching a video of playwright and performing artist Danny Hawk or Hotch, H-O-C-H, probably Hawk, I guess. He was impressed with how Hawk did 15 different Hispanic voices. So he was cast as Ramon and did the table read for the episode, but he eventually objected to what he felt was ethnic stereotyping mm -hmm. in the way his character was written, and the part was recast. And so this guy, Carlos Jacket, gave a more mentally unhinged portrayal of Ramon than was originally planned. Huh. So the Seinfeld crew decided to focus on that and drop the Hispanic angle. Uh, and Hawk later incorporated his experience with Seinfeld into his stand-up act, I guess. That's probably yeah, good because kind of I, I'm because I'm sure if it was um, if it was uh, what was the first guy's name Danny Hawk yeah I, I'm I'm sure if he had kept the role we would be talking about it today and like wow this uh, <laughs> this is not a good episode yeah very glad they did not go there <laughs> <laughs> okay put the sombrero on Mr Hawk thank you all right now <laughs> oh no <laughs> like why would I be wearing this if I'm now, cleaning that... a pool just do it Danny. <laughs> Just do it. Wait, those bandoleros are crooked. Put the bandoleros on. Yeah, there you go. They go. They cross over the front. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the pool scene was filmed at the YMCA in Hollywood. Wayne Knight was uncomfortable at the prospect of wearing a bathing suit for the scene uh, because, you know, he's mo he's modest guy and he didn't want that level of bodily exposure. So the crew came up with the idea of him wearing a modest, comically archaic swimming outfit, which I got to admit is hilarious. <laughs> and the idea of Jerry and Newman being unwilling to give Ramon mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation was contributed by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld themselves. <laughs> I guess that's it. All right. 
Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, do we have any other newsworthy bits or anything? I feel like there was something. What did I see? Um, oh, geez. Well, there's going to be a small Seinfeld reunion. Uh, if you're listening to this, it might be too late. Let me see. Larry David, Jason Alexander, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus are reuniting for a fundraiser for the Texas Democratic Party. And they're going to be talking about their favorite Seinfeld episodes with hosts Seth Meyers. And when is it? If, it, if it's any time be. before oh. November oh, 1st, it's too late. Yeah, Oh, you're. It it was on Friday, the Friday before we talked about this, I believe. Ah, uh, damn. Okay. Yeah, it was called a fundraiser about something, and it <laughs> did it already happen? I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can still see an exclusive replay. So, so there you go. That's newsworthy. Those three got together. <laughs> you know, the only two we're missing is Jerry himself, which you know he's he seems relatively apolitical. He always talks about how much it bores him to yeah. harp on stuff like that, which which I understand. But uh, also, Michael Richards not not there so <laughs> weird that would have been hmm. interesting <laughs> weird that they don't want to yeah, have so. michael richards talk about something so important and uh not want him to fuck it up <laughs> yeah you're probably probably right but yeah that would have overshadowed the whole thing but um i don't know maybe more people would have tuned in like let's see what he's gonna say yeah and i think that's all i think that's all i had as far as newsy stuff from last week all right if you have never listened to us before we are not a research heavy show we like to go through the episode as though we're just talking about it for the first time and have homework come up in the natural discussion of the episode and assign it to ourselves for the week following if you like what you hear uh please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts at if you send us your mailing address as well we will send you an awesome uh holographic no hugging no learning sticker free of charge um if we miss anything through the run of the episode and you're just shaking your fist at your phone speaker like how did they not mention insert thing here mm-hmm. uh our twitter and our email is in the description it's at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com and uh they're also in the show description page on apple podcasts if you're listening that way if you can't see them in the episode description um also we are up for the best podcast award through the eerie reader best of eerie awards what yeah did you not no see way. this yeah um, so oh. if you if you are listening to this and you would be so kind as to uh, drop a vote for your boys, uh, that link is also in the description of this episode. Um, don't don't feel bad. You do not have to vote for every single category. Um, it's just you enter your name, you enter your email, they send you a ballot. You can skip right to best podcast and just drop a vote for no hugging, no learning, and then hit submit. That's it. It's it's really simple. It takes about a minute totaled. That is awesome. Well, I'll have to do that. Wow, I don't know how I missed that. You know, you might as well throw a vote Ted's way too in the best radio personality category. Yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can. I, I'm on there twice. <laughs> I, I don't know how someone is always on there twice. Uh, it, I'm on yeah. there for just myself, and then I'm on there for the show. And it's not even like the show without the names of the people who are on the show. Cause th- I could see that being kind of confusing. No, I'm listed on there as Ted Hollowell. And then I'm listed on there as Jessica Curry and Ted Hollowell. I'm like, just fucking do one entry. It's not hard <laughs> they, guys. That's not the first time they've done that. They did that before when like Jessica and I were both separate. And then the show was, the, I was like, I want all my votes to count towards the show. Yeah. Was, so we like had to contact them and tell them like, that's the way we wanted it. And they were like, all right, fine. You know, we like made a thing out of it because we're like, this is this is dumb. We don't want to be separate. Like we're we're on there three times essentially. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I I guess I guess I'm gonna have to do that same thing. 
Like, if, if anyone's going to be separate, yeah. it probably shouldn't be the guy who's only been on the morning show for a year, right? <laughs> it would make much sense, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, like I said, that link awesome. is in the description if you would be so kind as to give us a vote. Um, all that being said, Season 7, Episode 9, The Sponge, original air date, December 7th, 1995. I was two years, 11 months, and 17 days old. And uh, if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we've got 58 episodes until we become a... What do we become this week? Failed tech company podcast. How about that? That seems to be... (laughs) I'm I'm sure it exists somewhere. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. There's there's 19 podcasts about everything, but we can always yeah. give our own spin on it. So you know what? I I like yeah. it. Let's Maybe do it. Maybe only movie, only movie tech, only failed <laughs> movie tech. You know, we can talk about Fail- why Blockbuster's streaming service failed like years before Netflix came along. Oh God, like Blockbuster that. now! I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember it, it. It came as installed as bloatware on like probably my smartphone I, or something like that, and I was like, "What is this? Movies on my phone?" Yeah, nah, I remember. I remember they were doing streaming before Netflix, I think. When Netflix was just Way before. When Netflix was just DVDs. They were like, yeah, yeah rem- we we know you like coming to the video store, but what if you didn't have to? And it, it was just too much for anybody to grasp in like 2006. Yeah, it was just way too early. Man, yeah. I, I would I would listen to that episode, which would be bad because I'd be the one who would have to write and produce that episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, if you are looking at TV Guy the night of December 7th, 1995, you are going to see Elaine considers intimacy with her new boyfriend, parenthetical scott patterson is is the name scott patterson anybody is he and and anybody no he's not the only thing it sounds like is the guy that um the kid that cartman made eat his own parents but i think that's scott peterson uh scott tennerman scott tennerman okay i knew it was i knew it was something like that (laughs) yeah that's the only thing i think of i just think of that kid's face god (laughs) but no he is i mean all due respect to the man he he you know, hasn't made a huge mark on, on the universe of, of acting. So I don't know why he's in there. Uh, even in 95, I don't think he was gigantic. But all right, we start with a we'll, we'll see if we can make it better uh, after the episode. We start with a stand up bit as usual. And this is about uh, Seinfeld not understanding why glasses make people look more intelligent because it's just a corrective device. I tend to agree with him on this point. I, I think it's always um, kind of dumb when people who don't need glasses wear glasses because I would give. Well, I, I wouldn't. I won't say I'll give anything because obviously I haven't paid to have LASIK or anything like that or or, or use contact lenses. But I would prefer not to need glasses. It's mm-hmm. just a pain. And yet some <laughs> people choose to wear them because I guess it makes them look intelligent. And he compares it to. I've always compared it to like people rolling around in wheelchairs or, or something like that like <laughs> yeah how to, how did you feel back in like 2008 whenever zoe deschanel really blew up on the scene and every like quirky <laughs> tumblr girl was like i'm gonna wear glasses because i look so random yeah i mean it was it it, it, it existed way before zoe i think um and and it'll, it'll exist in the future you know i mean rivers cuomo probably had something to do with a big glasses resurgence oh, God. in the late <laughs> 90s i would say uh yeah and yeah, I, I never understood it. Uh, he says like here, you know, he's like, oh, they wear a hearing aid. They must. I love the way he made the person sound dumb by saying they must listen. They must be listening really good. <laughs> I like the way instead of saying really well, he made the person sound dumb. And they were like, uh, you know, to really important stuff. Like, yeah. no, they're deaf. You know, it's like it's <laughs> they, not, they literally they know, literally cannot hear. That's why that's why the hearing aid is there. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, glasses looking cool is the same as like people like with two fine legs, like with on crutches. Like, yeah, crutches, you know, they're the hot new accessory. <laughs> yeah. Like, See, uh, like, oh, I, it's- I, I have never had to wear glasses, uh, but I have put them on. Uh, Grace uh, wears glasses once in a while. Um, just like for, she has like these blue light glasses, um, just like to prevent her from getting migraines from staring at her screen. And I, I've put them on. Yeah, the it changes, it changes the entire shape of my face. <laughs> well, it's they're probably, so weird. you know, I mean, they're probably not, you know, for the shape of your face, you should have a different, I don't know what it is for your shape or whatever, but like, because, because my face is a certain shape, like those rectangular ones seem to look best on me. Mm-hmm. And when I put on like Buddy Holly glasses or whatever you want to call them, um, <laughs> my nose all of a sudden looks even bigger than it already is. Um, I tried them on once and I was like, oh, you know, I like, I like Elvis Costello. Let me see what these look like. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Is my nose really that big? Why did it do this? I, it's crazy. I was going to say, oh, no, but given the topic, I feel like I have to give you an, oh, nose. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, we open the episode at Monk's, and Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer are there, and Kramer asks Jerry and Elaine to sponsor him for the AIDS walk that he's doing. You know, he doesn't just wear the ribbon. He walks the walk and or he talks the talk and he walks the walk. You know, a lot of people think the ribbon is enough. And I respect uh, Kramer's view on this right out of the gate. You know, it's like a lot. I, I mean, what do they call it these days? Like, there's a name for it. Uh, slacktivism. Mm. Just like Kramer wouldn't be somebody who would just post a, a status update on Facebook and go, ah, I've done my good deed for the day. I've said yeah. that, uh, you know, Kramer, AIDS is bad. Kramer like, wouldn't be. Yeah, he's Kramer, doing stuff. Kramer wouldn't be the person who just posts a black square on Instagram. He would be actually like raising money and getting signatures on petitions. Bingo. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this only has become more, you know, and, and he doesn't need to do what everybody else is doing because they say you have to do this in order to be an ally. You know, uh, you, you got to respect him for that. He doesn't have to brag about it. I mean, he kind of is because, you know, he's taking this petition around, but I guess that's what you um, or, or the sponsorship thing. You probably sponsored per mile or something. Um, Jerry is wearing new jeans and he's a 31 waist since college, he says. And he sees a number on Kramer's AIDS Walk sign up sheet or the sponsor sheet. And it's for Lena Small. And it's a girl that he wanted to take out, but he couldn't get her number. And so he's going to write it down. He's going to steal her number from this. And it's like, she's going to ask how you got the number. <laughs> and Jerry's like, oh, well, you know, I'll say a guy gave it to me. I don't really remember what he looked like. I was uh, on my way to get a speedboat. And Elaine's like, you get in a speedboat? He's like, see, we're already off the subject. And he says that, you know, if Billy got your number off of an AIDS sign-up sheet, you you know, you wouldn't see him. And she goes, yeah. So that's how we're kind of introduced to Elaine's new relationship. And Jerry asks how the sexual chemistry is. And I like Elaine's line, haven't been in the lab yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought this was a weird way to put this. But I'm shopping for birth control today. Yeah. That sounds weird. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like you have to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> like i go like i'll go i'm going shopping for a suit today like that's the way i put that not like i'm going shop oh, well you know i'm going shopping for milk today like, what no you just go buy milk like why are you, why did you put it that way <laughs> i i guess that is the way some people talk um but yeah that just uh in the context of birth control it makes it sound very weird i'm like okay just you're going you're going to buy birth control you need birth control so you what are you yeah like the the, the term like i'm going to go shopping for something implies okay i'm going yeah. to multiple places i'm going to try different yes. methods i don't know which one i am going to go buy so you, you go shop for a tv you go buy Bingo. groceries yeah. 
Yeah, you like you you carve time out of your day. It's like, all right, we're going shopping for a refrigerator. You know, it's like you have yeah. to do. You know, I'm going shopping for furniture. I know I'm going to be looking <laughs> at a lot of stuff. But like, if you know what you're going to buy, once you settle on it, then you're like, oh, I'm going to buy that TV. It's yeah. and, and Elaine has settled on a birth just, control. Just she's going past, to buy that birth control. Just this past week, I went shopping for a new water heater and dryer. I didn't just buy the first one I saw. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, <sighs> it, it puts a lot of weight on what she, you know, it sounds like she's going to pick out a new one, but she's not. Uh, Kramer asked her if, you, if she's still on the pill, and she uses the Today Sponge, and Kramer says, oh, I, I think that's off the market. Was, was this uh, a real Elaine, product? Like, freaks out, and he's like, okay, let's talk about it right now, because since 1995, I have no idea what this is, or how you use it, or if it's a real, I, I think it's a real birth control product made by this company today. Okay. Um, but I, have you ever heard of the sponge as birth control? I have not, and I'm just waiting for our DMs and our inbox to be hit by our our, our female listeners. Uh, like, how do you guys <laughs> not know this? I'm sorry that this is not something they teach in the boy class of sex ed. <laughs> and I can tell you, uh, being 14. We weren't talking about the Today Sponge uh, because I guess maybe it was maybe it really was taken off the market in '95 or, or or before because they had to get this episode out. Yeah, I, and, and my whole life I've never looked it up, and I still don't know. Ted, do you have any theories on how you might use a sponge that is a birth control? I've got theories, my but like, like I, I don't want to say them because I, they're going to be <laughs> just so like I, I'm thinking they're just going to be so laughably wrong that <laughs> I, I don't want to make that much of an ass of myself. Well, I'll go there and say like, all right, later on, we find out that the active ingredient in the Today Sponge is n- Nanoxanil 9. That's the standard spermicide that you're going to find in any condom or, or on any you know uh, birth control thing that you buy pretty much. I think I, I don't know unless that's. Unless they've made it better. Maybe they came out with an Anoxanil 10 in the last <laughs> uh, 25 years or 30 years, whatever it is. Um, but Nino- I'm like, Minoxicil okay. 9S+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, do you just... So is it enough to like just rub spermicide in that area? And like, how do you get it inside? Like, And I'm like, do you, do you insert the sponge? And then it sort of acts like a diaphragm as well as having this active ingredient. And those, are my, those are my two theories. It either... Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, and I've never been able to figure it out. And I've always kind of felt, uh, I don't, not dumb, but just like inexperienced, not knowing. Have I've you... obviously never, never been with a woman that needed a sponge. And I certainly wasn't when I was 14. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Homework for next week. I think we should both oh. ask our respective wives if they know what a sponge is and how to use it. Before we wiki it? Before we wiki it. Okay. All right. That's a good idea. I'll do that. Because I have been looking forward to doing this episode because I'm like, I'm finally going to learn how the sponge is used, what it is. I mean, the, I've, I've just never thought to look it up. And uh, all right. We're going to stay tuned next week for a frank uh, discussion about the sponge. We might use medical terms that, you know, you're not used to hearing on on the show. So just a heads up. To finish out the scene, Kramer said he heard the sponge was taken off the market. I read it in Wall Street Week. First of all, it doesn't look like Kramer himself said the word week. That looks like loop dialogue. It looked like he said something else. I, I couldn't tell, but it wasn't week. Huh. Um, and then he said, yeah. And then he says, yeah, Louis Rukeyser. And that gets a huge laugh, not only from Elaine, but the studio audience. Okay. What? Why is that funny? I, I have no idea. All right. Do, is I'm it just write be- down is Lewis. It just because it sounds funny? Is it a funny sounding name? I don't think it is. <sighs> 
No, no, it's not. That's why I'm like, he must have been, I don't know. It must be a, a 90s reference that, again, we're just like not getting. But Lewis, like, oh, Lewis Rukeyser writing about the sponge. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, I, I got such a huge laugh from everybody. Watch it be, it so watch we'll it be out. like a really uh, conservative male, like congressman who is like so yeah. anti-women's rights or something. Yeah, yeah. And then he's caught with like a t- the today sponges or something i don't know um yeah maybe he was like anti-birth control something like that i don't know we'll find out though in jerry's apartment superman's on the shelf and jerry is calling lena with the number that he got from the sign-up sheet she asks immediately how he got the number and he drops the speedboat line mission accomplished they're not talking about the number anymore uh, over in george's car uh, he's driving with susan and she remarks on jerry's new jeans and how thin jerry is and george drops uh the little secret that he scratches out the 32 on his jeans and writes 31 and susan is just shocked at how vain he can be but you know george's <laughs> like hey you know don't uh don't tell him i told you that and susan says it's understood that couples tell each other everything and george never heard of that and he's worried about <laughs> being cut out of the loop and never confided in again so what difference is one inch gonna make on on your like mental state like i i guess like oh well i haven't gotten any bigger since college um i i'll I'll be the first to admit i've gotten bigger since college uh but then again i was pretty much a skeleton in college i i was a string bean wearing size 30 34 pants i was I, i i was tall and skinny um now i wear a 34 34 which is much easier to shop for well you're a 34 waist yeah wow that's i'm a 32 and everything see i i mean i can fit into a 32 34 but it's just more comfortable for myself to wear a 34 34 i got i got that donk tim (laughs) (laughs) that's where it all went that's where his freshman 15 went it never left (laughs) (laughs) It's got dad ass. <laughs> no, it, it's just I I, I like uh, I, I like like the extra like room so so it's just not like constricting all the way up my thighs. I see, I see. Yeah, I will. I think I have a couple pairs of, of skinnyish jeans, and I, I buy thirty threes in those because thirty two in skinny jeans is like way too constricting. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the so but in everything else and every other cut, basically, I've I, and I think I've been a thirty two since. Man, I think I was probably a thirty up through high school. And then 32 probably after that at some point or maybe senior year. What, what yeah, is a when like when did you hit your growth spurt? Like what is the weirdest size of pants that you were wearing at one point? I don't uh, probably just like a 3230 or something like that. You know, when I was before I. Oh, shot man. Up a bit, OK. I'm like a 3232 for the most part. Yeah. OK. See, at one point I was wearing a 2832, which does not exist. <laughs> Like, I, I was able to find wow. them at, like, American Eagle, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's not something they stock a ton of. <laughs> I hate that. As long as we're talking about jeans, I hate going into a jeans a jeans store, and I can't remember. Maybe it was, like, a true religion or something like that. But you go into these stores, and, like, everything, just the waist is listed. And you're like, where are the, what are the lengths? And they're like, oh, all of our lengths are 32. I'm like, Why? what sense does that make? Yeah. Like, okay, guess I won't shop here. <laughs> yeah i'm like that's such a that uh, that covers a wide swath but not certainly not everybody it's like mm-hmm. it's just so weird um i'm like I, what am i supposed to go get them 
like tailored or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you tailor these denim jeans and extra starch, please. Can, can, can you tailor them longer, please? Can, can you add <laughs> yeah, inches exactly. onto the bottom of my jean? Yeah, you'll have to buy two pairs just so you can <laughs> add like a couple inches down to the bottom of yeah, uh, just really weird. Um, but I, I guess like I've seen stores before where there's just one number, but they're even sizes. So if there's one number listed, it would be a 30-30 or a 32-32 or a 34-34. That's interesting. So yeah, I guess you got to make sure you're – that's still really weird because then you can't be a, a 34-36 or a 32-34 mm-hmm. or whatever. That's also made for just like a very small subset of people yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I think so too. But then again, I guess it's just like stores who don't <laughs> specialize in uh, below-the-waist clothing. They're like, yeah, I guess we'll have jeans. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, they're probably just retagged Old Navy jeans or something like that. Up in Jerry's apartment, Jerry is about to tell George how he got Lena's number, but he imagines uh, a little game of telephone where the secret is told and eventually reaches Lena, so he doesn't confide and Elaine comes in, and the sponge is off the market. And she, uh, you know, when they ask her what she's going to do, she says, I'm going to do a hard target search of every grocery store, convenience store. And she rattles off this long. Did you recognize this little this little play on words that Elaine did? No, I don't think so. This was probably very famous around 95 because Tommy, it's, it's a play on what Tommy Lee Jones says at the beginning of The Fugitive. Do you remember that movie with Harrison no. Ford? No. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's based on an old TV show, and it's just absolutely fantastic about a doctor who's accused of murdering his wife, and all the evidence points, to, I mean, he in fact found guilty, and then he goes on the run, hence the fugitive. But, uh, you know, in the very beginning when they find out that Harrison Ford is is missing from uh, this, what happened, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like, I want a hard target search of every outhouse, hen house. He, like, rattles off this really cool monologue and that's what that's what elaine was playing off of in this i want a hard target search for every grocery store convenience store whatever she says um yeah until she finds it so that it was a play on that from the fugitive which is which is cool george doesn't know what susan uses uh for birth control superman's on the fridge by the way as well as the bookcase from earlier and kramer comes in and he is completely winded just from walking up the stairs and jerry is worried about uh, his um, stamina when the AIDS walk comes up. Uh, over, uh, we we cut to uh, what I labeled Elaine's ragtime search montage <laughs> <laughs> as she's going to all these convenience stores, and everyone's you know it's 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 playing this wacky music over top, and everyone's you know she asks for the sponge, and people nod their heads no uh, until she gets to Pasteur Pharmacy, uh, and there are still two Pasteur pharmacies in New York City in Midtown and on the Upper East Side. This one was at 769 Broadway uh, around 9th Street. I found that thanks to the phone number on the front, 473-4900. It's not there anymore, but it is a Staples. So Hmm. uh, I guess this was kind of like the Village, Washington Square Park area. Yeah, but the building looks exactly the same. It's got that metal accent piece that you kind of see in the the shot uh, from Seinfeld. Uh, But it's a Staples now, and I don't think they have any birth control. So uh, the elderly clerk says, yes, we do have a case of sponges left. There are 60 in a case. And Elaine's like, all right, give me uh, yeah, give me three. He's like, three? Yeah. She's like, yep, 10 should do me. And she eventually <laughs> works her way up through 20, 25. And she's like, you know what? Just give me the whole case. <laughs> um, there, 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 there's something I wanted to bring up about the second place Elaine stopped that I didn't know if you recognized in between her 
and the pharmacy clerk, there is a poster which we can only see the lower third of that says Walk New York, um, which I'm guessing is an AIDS walk poster. But for some reason, this triggered in my mind, Tim, you remember the radio company that you and I both used to work for, Connoisseur Media, correct? Yeah. They own a radio station on Long Island that broadcasts into New York called Walk FM, which broadcasts on 97.5 FM in New York City. And I I don't know if you had known any of this or not, but I found this incredibly weird. And I was like, what are the odds that this is actually a Walk FM poster? But listen to this. Yeah. Walk FM was purchased in 1963 by the Island Broadcasting System, along with its sister stations, 1370 Walk Pachogue and uh, 1570 WRIV Riverhead Island Broadcasting, was owned in part by NBC News anchorman Chet Huntley. And then what, what? And then was not sold again until 1997. So at the time of this episode airing, Walk FM in New York City was owned by someone in the NBC family. Weird. But what, so was it a like a, a poster for the radio station? It sounds like it could be. It, it sounds like it could be, but we can only see Walk New York City. Or, or walk New York. Oh. So, g- given the context of the episode, I'm going to guess that it's an AIDS walk poster. But uh, that's only something that would have triggered in my mind. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might have to go back and, and check it out. It does seem like because it's filmed in LA, a weird bit of set design to go through. Like, oh, let's get a radio station poster. But that um, that's exactly yeah, what uh-huh. went through my mind too. I'm like, it's got to be an AIDS walk poster. But I'm thinking like. Yeah. Man, that would be a really, really obscure reference that not many people would get. Especially if it doesn't look like a radio station logo. <laughs> it, it doesn't. You know, if, it, if it actually looked like a logo. It doesn't, but their current logo, their 2020 logo, is kind of similar to what is on this poster. <laughs> it, it's just like big block letters. There's, there's nothing to it. Huh. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look and see <laughs> see what it looks like to me. <laughs> Over at uh, La Boite en Bois, where we go on, on first dates and, and dates in general a lot in the Seinfeld universe, we're finding out. Jerry and Lena are doubling with George and Susan, and they're talking about detergent, and Lena uses an environmentally friendly one. I, lo- I thought the line was hilarious. And it doesn't pollute the oceans. And George goes, yeah, ocean's getting very sudsy. <laughs> 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 I thought that was hilarious. It was like a little mocking of her, yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's a big problem. The ocean's, yeah, a lot of, very soapy in the ocean. <laughs> uh, but, and his joke completely bombs, but I definitely would have laughed at it if I was, if I was, just another, yet another thing I have in common with George. Um, Lena uh, asked to pack up the leftovers because she takes him to a soup kitchen. She works every morning at 6 a.m. And I like this, Jared, like, they eat soup at 6 a.m.? Uh, and they they start, like, really peppering her with questions. Like, you know, Jerry goes, do the bums ever complain? I like that he calls them bums. To someone who definitely has a heart of gold, like, bums. Do the bums ever complain? God. Um, is soup, soup again? Uh, and Lena mentions that Maya Angelou volunteered last week, and so Susan starts asking about that. Uh, and George mentions Maya Angelou probably doesn't have an unlisted number she's a poet like who doesn't mind and so when they get up and leave jerry's like why'd you mention unlisted numbers you know the fact that he brought up the subject again might bring it up uh you know once again with lena 
And so Jerry's forced to kind of spill the secret to George. And I like when Jerry, like, you know, starts telling him that there's a secret coming. And George, like, leans forward, puts his hand <laughs> under his chin, like an yes. child. Like, all right, I'm going to tell you something, okay? And he, like, he's like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> it was a hilarious little bit of a body movement. Um, in George's car later, he has immediately told Susan uh, Jerry's secret to make up for the fact that he talking about how couples don't have to tell each other everything and stuff. He, he wants to make it up to her because he doesn't like being in, in a fight. And so he suggests making up, quote-unquote, officially at uh, <laughs> home. But Susan is out of birth control. And she does call out George for not knowing what she uses. And she uses the sponge. As they pull over to buy it, um, George tells her, oh, no, they, they took the sponge off the market. And Susan freaks out when she hears that it's off the market. And George thinks, and he goes, wait. I think I know where we can get one. This is um this was a weird thing that I, I would like to hear from our New York City listeners from. Uh she is mad at George because he's the one who's driving, but he won't pull over and run in and grab the thing. I'm like, Susan, you're the passenger. It it would be very easy for you to run in and grab this while George waits and like just throws his four ways on and moves if necessary. Am I am I wrong in this? Yeah. No, no, you're. You don't even have to be from New York City to know that. Like, if someone's just running into a store, it's not. You know, and you're not in a real parking spot. You send the passenger the driver. Yeah, yeah. Especially if buying something for herself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like if, if you and I were driving, and I, I'm the passenger, and you're the driver, Ted. I'm like, oh, oh, Ted, I want a Mountain Dew. Will you run into the gas station and get it for me? Like, what? No. <laughs> okay. I don't want anything. I'm not going in there. I don't have to. Like, we're not stopping yeah. for me. No, you can go in and get your yeah. own Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, no, Ted, it makes more sense if I sit here and then you go get the, the drink. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Ted, I, I know yeah. you need to go and get gas, but it would make more sense if you pull up to the gas station door first, then you fill up with gas. Yes, and go buy my soda so I can sit here. It makes more sense. I'm sure if you think about it, you'll realize that. <laughs> um, up in Jerry's apartment, uh, Kramer is hosting a raucous poker game, drinking and smoking, and Jerry reminds him about the AIDS walk, but Kramer is not worried about his ability to perform at the AIDS walk tomorrow. Over to Lane's, she is making out with her boyfriend. What's his name? I already forgot. Billy. Billy. She's making out with Billy on the couch. And they suggest heading to the bedroom. It's at that point that George knocks on the door and asks for a sponge. Elaine won't give him one, uh, despite the fact that George is like, look, this is makeup sex. This is all I have now that I'm in a couple <laughs> like this. Uh, and it's it's pretty funny when George is trying to get her to, to keep the door open. He, like, stomps on his toe. <laughs> and so he picks it up and she can slam the door on him. I thought that was funny. So Elaine, uh, having dispatched George, heads back to the bathroom. She grabs the sponge, and here's a little bit more clue about what this might be. I, I wrote down, it looks like a small package of mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you buy real mozzarella and it's kept in that, you know, it looks like a small, small package of mozzarella. If oh, you've never seen my one before. God. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, my, my favorite cheese, spermicidal mozzarella. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. And so while she's holding her small package of mozzarella, uh, the little small mozzarella ball, uh, she she hesitates and starts thinking. Uh, Meanwhile, over at George's, Susan is telling Monica, interestingly enough, the same person that Jerry imagined Susan telling. I wonder if that's a mutual friend of theirs or why she made an appearance not only in Jerry's daydream, but also 
in real life. It just seemed weird. I don't know. Is Jerry uh, psychic now? Yeah, right. Like, how does he know who she would tell first? It's <laughs> kind of weird. But it is this woman. And eventually, it makes it to Lena, where Jerry got the number. Uh, in Jerry's apartment, Lena confronts Jerry about the, you know, how he got the number and how she found out and, and implicates Susan. And Jerry's like, George. And she's not upset, which puts a very quizzical, puzzled look on, on Jerry's face. At first, I thought he was suspicious. But we're going to find out that he's more just confused by the fact that she, she's like, no, it's fine. That's okay. And he's like, what? I should be in trouble for this. Mm-hmm. Kramer's party, meanwhile, as Jerry opens the door, is just wrapping up uh, as Lena's leaving. And Jerry mentioned it's like three hours until the AIDS walk. But he, Kramer is not worried about it. Uh, George comes in and... It's revealed, you know, and, and Jerry, you know, yells at him, why'd you tell her? And he's like, you know what this means, don't you? You're cut off. You're out of the loop. George's nightmare. Uh, you know, he did not want to be cut out of the loop. And Jerry's like, you know what? If, if you were in the mafia, would you tell her every time you murdered someone? And I like George is like, hey, a hit is a completely different thing <laughs> <laughs> than Jerry's secrets. George is like, so Lena Jerry's like, that's the thing. She, uh, she was perfectly fine with it. And so Jerry's like, you know what? She's too good. He was like, I admire the hell out of her. And you can't have sex with someone you admire. There's no depravity, <laughs> which I thought was was interesting and, and kind of apt. You know, like, I, I, I kind of see what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, like, you I, don't I wanna, guess. You don't, you don't want to do the stuff that you do and, like, um, what's not sully them, desecrate them. You know, like, you're like oh, what I do is going <laughs> to make them a worse person. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like that's that's dirty and they're clean right now, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but as he's saying, you know, I, I'm not even sure she even has sex. And then it's at that point that Elaine walks in and Jerry says, "On the other hand," and that gets a huge laugh. Uh, but more like sitcomy coincidence timing jokes. Yeah, you know, uh, it was okay, uh, kind of hacky. But Elaine, by the way, George is like, "Hey, thanks for the help last night." And Elaine's like, "You know what? I didn't even use one." And now she's got to consider whether or not. Her, she's got to, uh, uh, you know, conserve them. She's got to reevaluate her entire screening process to decide whether or not a guy is sponge worthy. Which is, uh, and that's f- uh, first uh, first freight drop of that phrase, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's another word Seinfeld made up, sponge worthy, um, and it's yeah the first time we've heard it. And over at the walk, Kramer checks in and they offer him the the age ribbon and he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to wear a ribbon. And she's like, you have to. He's like, I have to. That's why I don't want to. And he calls the woman at the sign in desk a ribbon bully. And Ugh. this was even more timely back in 95. <laughs> What's your like, what do you think of the ribbons, Ted? Uh, are we talking specifically about ribbons or just this behavior that Kramer is doing? Uh, specifically about ribbons, because in 95, I would say, like, like this red ribbon was like, you know, it, you had to wear it at the Oscars, you had to wear it at the Grammys, you had, like, Hollywood was just embracing it, people were wearing it everywhere, and, like, and thinking they were doing something. They're like, oh, obviously, I'm against, you know, I'm against AIDS, and I'm wearing this ribbon in, in solidarity, and it, it yeah. became almost immediately, like... <laughs> You know, it's, you're not doing. My, and then, like after the AIDS ribbon, like all the other ribbons came out. Well, this color ribbon is for this, and the ribbon is for this, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like died down. But for sure, you know, wearing something on your lapel is still a thing. But it's less. You know, it's it's just not new anymore. It just exists. You know, it's part of the zeitgeist, as it were. Uh. But in '95, I know it's been a while. Um, but in '95, it was a new thing, and so that's what Seinfeld is playing. Okay. Of. Like this was this is a lot less timely now. But what what do you think? Of, I mean, 
What's your because well, I mean, I mean, the ribbons to, have just always existed. I to guess, bring it back to slacktivism, uh, this is this behavior is very much still a thing. Because, um, like, even look a couple of years yeah. ago, the times up lapel buttons or lapel pins that everyone was wearing yeah. at the Oscars, and like, hey guys, we know sexual harassment has been really bad in Hollywood, but we promise it stops now, not before and not after, but now. <laughs> and I, I'm sure there's been no cases of sexual harassment in Hollywood since that night at the Oscars, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Where I'm like, well, the, the the ribbons are still a thing because everyone did that times up thing, and like, oh, uh, you know, I'm wearing this ribbon and I'm doing something to stop it. Like, no, no, you're not. You're still getting paid by the studios that are protecting these people, etc. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't really fool anybody anymore. But in and that's kind of a different animal. But in in the in the mid '90s when everyone was wearing the ribbons, it was like it did fool everybody. It's like, yeah, we're doing something <laughs> over at Monks. George and Susan are talking about, you know, the birth control and what they're going to do. And she's like, can't you just wear a condom just this once for the makeup sex? And <laughs> first of all, he's like, we're way past the makeup sex. You got to have that immediately. But secondly, he said, condoms are for single men. <laughs> <laughs> once you and I got engaged, I said goodbye to the condom. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this rang a little off tune to me hearing it now. It's a weird, such a weird thing to say. Um, especially like this is real weird in an episode that is focusing on an AIDS walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I guess that's all. <laughs> I guess. I guess condoms to George are more for to prevent STDs than to prevent pregnancy. I guess <laughs> that seems. It, that's why I said you know single men who are like sleeping with a ton of women, they're the only ones that need condoms. Because who cares if they have a baby? They're you know they're they're not tied down, but it's all about the disease. So like you know once you and I got together and we're monogamous now, we know we're not sleeping with anybody else. I don't need a condom anymore. <laughs> oh boy, it's just a weird way to think about them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think both aspects are you know <laughs> like who says one is more important than the other. Uh, but also, George's real problem with it is he can't get the package open in time. It's like beat the clock. I'll bring up later why this confused me. But so he doesn't like the way they're they're wrapped. It's too difficult to open. <laughs> uh, over at the AIDS walk, they're they're walking. They're in the middle of the walk, and everyone's asking Kramer where his ribbon is. Including, I notice so the the black guy in the scene is named Ren Brown, and I really recognized him. And I think it might be from a movie called Heart and Souls. Did you ever see that movie with Robert Downey Jr.? No. He plays a kid with like five imaginary friends. No, I don't think I have. Oh, it's absolutely it's it's such an underrated movie. Like not a lot of people have seen it, but it's it's it is a great movie. He he has these five imaginary friends, and you know as he grows up, they go away, and then they come back when he's older. Once they realize why they are his imaginary friends, and it and he's an adult and he has to deal with this, and it's like it's just such a great movie. But he plays the cop son in that movie. If anyone has seen it. He's a police officer and, and the son of one of the... Well, anyway, I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> I think it's pretty much early in the movie that you find out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I think that's why I recognized him. And also, so the the people who are, are telling Kramer like he has to wear the ribbon, they call out, hey, Cedric and Bob, this guy doesn't want to wear the ribbon. And they turn around, and it is the guys who stole the armoire from Kramer, and they yell a very famous Seinfeld line, who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? Uh, <laughs> oh god and <laughs> over at Elaine's 
Elena's grilling Billy about being sponge worthy and he's running down his case and you know uh, I'm I, I run a profitable electronics distributing company. I'm very good at it. And <laughs> she mentions, all right, you're going to do something about your sideburns. What about your apartment bathroom? Are you going to clean that? And then she's like, okay, let's go. So she's decided <laughs> he is sponge worthy. Over at Lena's, Jerry is about to break up with her for being, you know, because she's such a good person. When he goes to get a towel out of her bedroom closet, and he sees boxes upon boxes upon boxes of today sponges. I mean, there's 12 boxes, 12 cases just visible. You got to imagine yeah. there's like one or two that they're stacked on top of down there. And each case has 60 in it. Jesus. <laughs> and we're, we're, yeah. we're to believe that one of these boxes is what Elaine bought. Yeah, exactly. And we get a zoom in on the label, and there's the Today logo, the Today sponge, the active ingredient, uh, one gram of nanoxanil 9, as I mentioned earlier. So Jerry in his head goes, she is depraved. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of breaking up with her, he tells her about him changing the label (laughs) on his jeans. I don't know why he did that. I'm guessing it was just because, like, he, he needed to tell her something because she was kind of pressing him. And yeah. he's like, hey, I, I want to tell you something like, no, no. What was it? What What did you need to tell me? And not say or saying eh, nothing. It's not a big deal. Wouldn't have been good enough. So he needed something. And his, yeah. his a his jeans was something to say. And B, it was I'm also a little depraved. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> George, we cut to a shot of just like people's hands on a bedspread and and it's george and susan and george is fumbling with a condom (laughs) wrapper i like that he's like no it won't tear right there i can't get a good grip you got to open it like a bag of chips and then he grabs oh my god (laughs) yeah and then susan finally gets it open by tearing it the way you're supposed to and it's at that point that george goes it's too late all right what happened here ted okay um i'm wondering does george costanza have ed yeah, right. that's what I was. Does he get one erection a day, and, and then if, if he loses it, like that's it? If he, if or he, did he, and like it's <laughs> gone so quickly, and is yeah. it is it the stress that killed it for him? Um, are are we to believe that he he gets an erection and it's gone in thirty <laughs> seconds? Yeah, and then will not come back. Like you can't get it back. <laughs> no matter nothing, what, like nothing will get it back. I, I yeah, you get one a day. <laughs> I think George Costanza might have erectile dysfunction. I think that 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 is a dysfunction if that's what happens. You know, because you should be able to, to get yeah. back in the game. You know, just go back to what you were doing now that the thing is open. You know, and then it's open when you need it. <laughs> By the way, I was able to see on the wrapper. This is a, a Trojan brand ribbed. Ooh, ribbed okay. Condom. Um, not like it's for anybody's pleasure in this scene. <laughs> I just thought I was like George didn't ejaculate, did he? Like oh, <laughs> while he God. was trying to open. Oh you know, no! That's that's <laughs> then it'd be like actually too late. Like just him like losing, you know, like I, I don't. It, I'm like that's it. Just doesn't make any sense that it's not too late. I'll I'm, try again tomorrow. Like, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking. It's just he lost yeah. his erection. And th- yeah, this yeah. is probably nothing, the most like medically accurate way we've ever talked about something like this. 
Like in previous episodes, in previous episodes, or if you and I are just talking, not on a podcast, we definitely would have said something like, "Ah, George's dick don't work." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got erect. He's got ED. He's what the medical community might call ED. <laughs> <laughs> I just not really that ED that is I'm a like, laughing matter. We are not saying that. No, no. But talking about it in that way when you're not a medical professional makes you sound like a, you know, a, a drug commercial or something. <laughs> uh, but I just found it really weird that like that's it. He's out of the game for the rest of the night. Like, nope, nothing can bring it back. No, don't even, bu- don't touch it. Don't look at it. It's just, it's done. Okay, it's done. <laughs> also, have you have you ever tried to open up a condom any way other than the way you're supposed to open up a condom? Have you ever tried to open it like a bag of chips? No, no. I don't think it would work like a bag of chips. I don't think that, it's meant, obviously, to be torn on that one side. <laughs> like, no, yeah. you got to open and, it and like a torn, bag of chips. Who has ever done that? It's perforated all the way down that side, too, so you don't have to grip it right up at the corner so that, you know, one-tenth of the package is on one side and the, the rest of the nine-tenths is, is still covering. You can rip it wherever you want. You know, I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could tell George that. <laughs> He's so worried about getting a good grip. We cut to an alleyway somewhere off of the AIDS walk where a gang, including Cedric and Bob, has surrounded Kramer, and instead of wearing the ribbon, Cedric says, I guess we're going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon and they attack Kramer in the alley uh, over the finish line. Jerry and George are talking. Uh, Lena broke up with Jerry over the jeans thing because uh, I guess I was just too depraved for Lena too vain. And J- George asks him, you know, what, what do you care about? What do you care about the size so much? And Jerry goes, I don't want to be a 32 at going <laughs> back to, I don't want to be a pirate. Something we've heard uh, so often. And Jerry, Lena decided Jerry is not sponge worthy. Uh, and for as many sponges as she has, the fact that Jerry's not sponge worthy, that's bad. <laughs> that's real bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, George once again asks, you know, why the condom is so hard to open. And Jerry goes, I guess it's how the woman has one last chance to change her mind. And George goes, You never run out, do you? Oh my god. And Jerry gives a kind of very pleased with himself reaction. Like everything's a joke. Everything's gotta be a joke to you, kind of thing. Kramer, meanwhile, comes around the corner and he has been beaten very badly and he crawls over the finish line and Jerry looks over him and shames him poker game, pulling an all nighter. And George, uh, one last line goes, Hey, where's your AIDS ribbon? And then Kramer <laughs> uh wide eyed gets the freeze frame here at the end. Uh we get one last little bit with Elaine and Billy waking up. The morning after having made love, it was great. Elaine doesn't regret using the sponge at all. But Billy goes in for round two, and Elaine shuts him down because she just, you know, I, I like the way she's like, I'd love to help you, but I can't afford two of them. So he is not <laughs> double sponge worthy, just single sponge worthy. And that's the end of the episode. All right. What do we got this week for homework? I, I know uh, the, the first first bit was uh, right off the top was uh, ask our wives if they know what a sponge is. And how it works. Yes. Uh, yeah. what, what else? What is the, the sponge? Uh, who is Louis Rukeyser? Okay. And why and- was that so hilarious? <laughs> and I think that's it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, write down anything else. I, I this isn't like really homework. I want you to take a look at that walk poster and see if you can determine oh, if yes. it was like an AIDS walk poster, like I'm thinking it is, or if planets are going to align and it's somehow, some way, a walk FM radio station poster. Yeah, I'll take a look and see if I can if I can figure that out All too. Right. Yeah. What, what do you like this uh, this week for cover art? 
Ah, oh, man. Good question. I'm, Maybe I'm thinking, Elaine I'm thinking, and Billy during their little... Mm, okay. During yeah. like the interview where she's like seeing if he is sponge-worthy. Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, I think there's a good wide shot of them. I, I I was thinking like maybe like Jerry. Whenever it's revealed that Lena has cases of sponges, so like literally the shot of the closet. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's see if we can come up with a better description. So we had Elaine considers intimacy with her new boyfriend. Parenthetical, Scott Patterson. I don't hate it. This is another one of those episodes where. Everybody kind of gets equal footing, you know? Yeah, see, I... Mean, I you got George and, and his relationship. I I like how simple it is. I would just drop Scott Patterson yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, let's get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, like, the, we, we've seen, like, actual name actors not get the parenthetical credit or the special guest credit, but then, oh, like, yeah. pe- but then, like, people like Scott Patterson were like, oh, who is this guy? He must be really important. Nope, they just put him in the description. <laughs> I um yeah I'm I'm totally fine with that but I just picture you know Scott Patterson having like a Google alert for this episode of Seinfeld that he was on <laughs> and then like oh well oh a new a new podcast uh listen I wonder I'll I'll listen to this and and see what they thought of the episode of Seinfeld that I was on and here we are at the end like get the fuck out Scott <laughs> Patterson you suck <laughs> single tear rolls down his cheek <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh, no. We were single-handedly responsible for Scott Patterson's spiral into depression. (laughs) We're so sorry, Scott. We know you didn't need this in the middle of a pandemic, but you you just don't deserve the credit. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, look, Scott, we can put you in the credits. It's totally fine. We'll we'll give, like, special guest (laughs) Scott Patterson in the credits, but you don't need to be in the description. (laughs) Oh man! <laughs> oh wow! He like uh, he comes up under autocomplete when you just type, start typing Scott Patter. All right, <laughs> we might have to find out a little bit more about Scott Patterson too. Yeah, and you know, he does I'm pretty... not look. If this is the same Scott Patterson, he doesn't look anything like he did in this episode. <laughs> again, I mean, I'm not. I don't mean to shame him again. You know, you take as good a care of yourself as you can. I guess. <laughs> yeah, he was on Gilmore Girl. Gilmore Girl, I guess. Oh, yeah, he was Luke on Gilmore Girls. Whoa. Is that the owner of the coffee shop on Gilmore Girls? I don't know. Wow. Well, I mean, I know Gilmore Girls was huge, so I feel like that would be a, um, you know, a, a post-fame credit. But, yeah, I, I still say ditch it. But it seems like he might be a big star now. <laughs> <laughs> At least enough to be verified, maybe. I don't know. Oh, Pro- yeah. Probably I, not. I believe so, yeah. I'm, no, I'm sure he's on. I, I saw that he is on Twitter. I just didn't. I, I'm almost certain he's verified. Let's see. We got the blue check mark. Whoa. Oh, okay. and he's on Cameo. Yes. He's on Cameo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder how many Spongeworthy requests he gets for Cameo. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Um, yeah. I'm not going to uh, tag him in anything. But that would be. Uh, <laughs> I don't see anything on his uh, on his website about being sponge worthy, <laughs> but it, I guess it's probably more Gilmore Girls people who buy him on Cameo. Mm, probably. Uh, okay, so next week we have got season seven, episode ten, the gum, 
Original air date, December 14th, 1995. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Kramer complicates Jerry's quest to locate a special brand of Chinese gum. Do you think interesting? You, you, you think this one gets racist at all? Hmm. I'm going to say no. Okay. But we'll. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> By the way, as far as the sponge goes, I really didn't like this episode. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot better. I I had yeah. much higher hopes for it because. Um, Spongeworthy, I had heard of before us doing this episode. It, it was like, I don't know how I had heard of it. I didn't know the context of it or what it meant, but I, I thought this was going to be a better episode. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those that gave us the word, and so people probably remember it like, oh, the, the Spongeworthy episode? That has to be funny because we remember the word, but now it, I like that wasn't very, you know, that's kind of out of date. And the ribbon storyline is kind of out of date. It moves George's relationship ahead a little bit, but I would say this is a below average episode. It yeah. wasn't even middle of the road for me. I was Ooh, like, wow, eh. it, it was just very meh. All right. So is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. <laughs>